Take your Bibles and find uh, the Gospel of John chapter 3. If you didn't bring a, I start to say real Bible, but I guess it's real on your phone also. But uh, if you didn't bring, if you'd like, some scriptures are found in front of you in the chairs. Or if you'll find it on your uh, smartphone or whatever you have, I'd love for you to read the scripture along with me here in just a moment. We're in John chapter 3. And going to be reading verses 1 through 15. Uh, we have we actually ran out of our worship bulletins and notes today as you came in. So if you want to take notes, hopefully plenty of pens around. You can find a piece of paper and feel free to take notes. They'll be on the screen. So I'm sorry that we ran out of bulletins today. And thank Jesus. that uh, we'll, But we can print more. So we're going to print more next week. Y'all come on and be a part of it. Be, be wonderful. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. This now is the Word of God. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. These uh, verses, this story in John 3 about Nicodemus, it is, uh, it's significant to me for several reasons. One, it's one of, it is one of my favorite stories, although I guess there are several. But also, I preached my very first sermon from this story and from this passage at the age of nine at a vacation Bible school commencement night. And uh, it, uh, it lasted about nine minutes but it must not have been very good because it was nine years before anybody ever asked me to preach again. And uh, so, but it, uh, I, so I, I cannot guarantee you that this one's going to be better. But here we are, 50 years later, I'm getting another chance at it. I can almost guarantee it's going to be longer, but uh, we'll hang in there with this. So, uh, but excited to be able to also to talk to you about one of my favorite passages. It's a familiar passage to you. As a matter of fact, we find here in the scriptures that the most familiar verse to us probably in all of scripture is found in this chapter. You may be wondering why I hadn't read it yet, but uh, that will be uh, revealed and certainly for emphasis here in just a moment. But you know, every time we come to God's word, we want to understand that uh, and it's part of my job not to be in the way, but to get out of the way and let God's word speak for itself. And even though this is a familiar story, Hopefully it's something that every time we come to Scripture, whether you know the story well know it and have memorized all the verses, it's something new and fresh and exciting every time we come. It's a mystery of the Holy Spirit, and we want to be able to understand today. In fact, I hope that you're coming today, and you 
read, well, I know this story. My goodness, uh, what could you tell me different today? Well, I don't know that I can tell you anything different. As a matter of fact, uh, part of my job is just for some of you who've been in church for a long time or know a lot of the stories of the Bible is to remind you about what God's Word said and, uh, or maybe to remind you of something that you forgot because I've often forgotten and had to come back to it again. But as we come, it is that uh, we can come and find something new, fresh, and exciting. And if you're asking that question, that's a great question. What is in it for you today? But every time we come to the Word of God, whether it be in your Sunday school class or in preaching service or when you're home alone, reading God's Word, it ought to be fresh, new, and exciting. Well, how can that be? Well, we're going to talk about how that can be today and how it was new to Nicodemus who thought he knew God's Word. In fact, uh, in our notes, if you have them, or we'll put them on the screen, but it is, we're going to answer the question, what's there still to learn about the Christian life? Uh, and one of those things is this, every, everyone needs a new beginning. Even you need a new beginning. I would say chances are better than good that today you need a new beginning, regardless of your season of life, regardless of how long you've been a Christian, whether short or long. And particularly if you're not a believer today, we know that you need a new beginning. Today we're talking about new beginnings. So here was Nicodemus who was confronted with a new approach to life. Nick was very religious. I mean, he was a Pharisee who didn't always get along, of course, with Pharisees didn't always get along with Jesus. But he's, a, he's not just any Pharisee. We find that he's a, a teacher. In fact, Jesus calls him the teacher of the Jews. He's a leader among the men. The Pharisees were considered the highest religious order. They were careful to observe all of the laws of the Old Testament, all the Jewish laws. And so here's Nick. He would be an unlikely candidate, at least to the world, an unlikely candidate, maybe even to himself, to learn something new, to have a change in his midlife. Verse 2 says that Nick came at night. Uh, we're not told why he came at night. We just assume probably he didn't want anybody else to know. But no doubt it represents that at least before he came to see Jesus, he was in darkness. He was in a spiritual darkness, even though he was a religious man. He was clueless about Jesus. He knew some things because he had either heard Jesus personally himself, which is more likely the case, or he'd heard about Jesus. And so he comes to him and he, he asks him, states his business. He says, Rabbi, we know. He's alone, but he's saying it plurally. We know that you're from God because of the signs and the miracles. Now, Nicodemus was also a smart man. And when he called Jesus rabbi, he was showing that he had great respect for him. And he says, we know. It's obvious that you're from God. He says, we know because of all the miracles that you've been doing, all the things that you've been doing among our people. So we know that you must be from God. Now, he's willing to admit that. I'm not sure all the other Pharisees were willing to admit that. Well, and so that's all he says to begin with. And then he kind of pauses. Now, the Bible doesn't say it, but maybe after verse 2 there to where he asked the question, maybe there's a pregnant pause because he wants to ask a question, but maybe his pride keeps him from asking the question. It should be the question that we're asking today. But he's, I believe he's asking, wanting to ask the question, we know that you're from God. So we're, if we read between the lines there and how Jesus answered, do you have a message for me? Is there anything new? Nicodemus may have been asking, is there anything that you could tell me if truly that you are from God? And it's a good question if you think somebody really is from God. In this case, Jesus was God to say, do you have anything for me? Because for once a Pharisee was asking, not something about religious rules or some doctrinal minutiae about political or religious power of the day. Nick at night may have been asking, what about me? 
Do you have a message? Is that not how many of you who are believers in the Lord Jesus first came asking if there was something for you? Lord, can you, can you save me from hell? Lord, can you save me from the tough situations I'm in right now? Lord, can you give me a little bit of peace or maybe even make me happier? And that's okay because you know what? Jesus is in the saving business. But once we start new with Jesus, then we have that lifelong journey where the Lord is seeking to let us know that we're no longer the center of the universe and we never were, but to let us know that we need to put our focus on the Lord Jesus and put our focus on others. Jesus knew what he was asking, so he quickly turned the conversation to what was most important. To quickly turn the conversation to what's most important, a lost man coming to know Jesus, finding salvation. So he said, Jesus tells him, we read it a moment ago, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nick, or Nicodemus, I may call him Nick here, but uh, he's going to take issue with that part about being born again. But it did get to the heart of the problem. Speaking of being born again, what's the most significant thing about a newborn baby? Is it that he or she looks like President Biden? No, that's not it. His or her entire life is still before them. That's the most significant thing. Well, when we're born again, as a believer... Our entire eternities before us. All right, here's the mind-blowing thing. No matter how long you've been a Christian, your entire life and eternity is still before you because how long is eternity? You can't take any days off of eternity. So you still have your entire life with Jesus all still before you regardless. And you can't... Sometimes all of, a lot of us may have wanted to change our past sometimes and we may... There's some things we wish we had not done, some things maybe wish we would have done, some of those things. But, and we may even think sometimes, well, it's just too late for me, or, you know, I've, I've gotten too far away from God. But don't think that, because listen to what, uh, listen to what Jeremiah said in Lamentations 3, 22 through 24. You're wanting to hear from Lamentations today, but this is a great... He wants to give you a new beginning. It says, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish for His mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I will put my hope in Him. Sometimes we've heard, as, uh, if we're wanting to witness to the lost, we don't need to use some of those churched up words. You know, it's probably not if you're talking to somebody that's out of church. and You probably don't want to use words like sanctification, regeneration, dispensationalism. Maybe those are not. Or maybe even words that uh, like saved and lost or born again. But Jesus used some of those words. He said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus acted like he had no idea what in the world he was talking about. Nicodemus says, what do you mean? I got to go back into my mother's womb? I think Nicodemus did know what he was talking about. He just couldn't imagine that those would be words for him. What do you mean? He's got to be born again. Here he is, a Jewish leader and a Pharisee, because that's how the rabbis and the Pharisees talked about Gentiles who were coming into Judaism. If you want to... You want to come in to be Jewish, you've got to be born again is those same kind of words. He just could not imagine that Jesus would give him this challenge and by saying he needed this new beginning. His first response was, you're kidding. I'm, a, I'm Jewish. I'm a Jewish religious leader. The only way I can have a new beginning because of who I am is I must go back into my mother's womb. I've got to be physically born again because I'm me. How many times have you sat in a Bible study class or preaching service or maybe heard somebody speak or teach about the Bible maybe and, you, and you've heard a good point and you've thought, you, you've either said it 
Not many of you, so maybe say more, but amen. Boy, they really need that. Or you've heard a good message, you think, oh, that would be really good for so-and-so. I sure wish they were here. Or maybe you're secretly thinking, I hope my spouse is listening to this. Or maybe another family member that is listening. But could it be that actually that it is you or I, it's we that often need to change. Today, Lord, make us brand new. Break our hearts. Give us a new compassion for others. Recreate us in your image. This rebirth takes care of us from head to toe. So it's not just the way we think, but it is that the Lord changes everything. Heart, soul, mind, body. Can we agree that people who do not have Jesus need a new beginning? God will give anyone here today a new beginning if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior or you're not sure. You're unsure whether you have a home in heaven or Jesus in your heart or someone listening live stream. If you don't know Christ, then today you can repent of your sins and you can ask Jesus to come in. It was a very witness to all those who do not know Christ that we partake of the Lord's Supper today because we're saying that we believe we have placed our faith in the sacrifice that Jesus made. We've put the weight of this life and the weight of eternity into the hands of our Lord and Savior. We know that He rose again and that He's alive today. So I'm going to ask you, if you need to have a new beginning, the, the listening to the Holy Spirit's knocking on your heart's door and you can ask Christ to come in. Simply ask Him to be your Savior and Lord and to repent of your sins before this hour is over, before we're complete today. So believers, would you do whisper a prayer even now for someone who might be in the service today who needs to know Jesus. Maybe you know somebody. Maybe not in the service today, it'd be okay. Who needs to be reborn from above as is being talked about here. Well, you might be saying, I've been a Christian for a long time. How can I need a new beginning? Because you're not there yet. We're saved sinners by grace and even in our best moments, sin still seeps through until we make... Meet Jesus, we are never perfect and even our motives are laced with selfish desires. Unless you have arrived, you need a new beginning. Well, so we also learn from this story, a new beginning brings a new spirit. It brings a new spirit. Jesus also answered Nick's second question. Aren't I I too old? I've already been born. So Nick's ready now to answer the questions and Nick's, excuse me, Nick's ready to ask the questions that Jesus wants to answer. And so we ask the age question and even the why question. Why, why me? No matter your age, everybody needs the Spirit of God in their life. The calendar cannot be turned back, as we talked about before. But when you see God's forgiveness as taking out all of the garbage in our life and replacing it and filling it with the Holy Spirit, then the result can be the filling of the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit growing in you. Before Jesus started his public ministry, John the Baptist was out and he was baptizing around the Jordan River. And so much was astir. The Bible says everybody was going out to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Well, the Pharisees, they sent a committee out there. And you know, at least I know how Baptist committees are, but you know how, so the committee go out there and they're asking John, you know, is he the Messiah? What's he claiming to be? He says, oh, well, I'm baptized with water. But there's another coming who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Pharisees sent a committee out there and now one of the Pharisees is sitting with Jesus and Jesus says the exact same thing. He says, I've come and I'm the one who baptized, I'm the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And he's in the presence of the one. Now, actually, Jesus said, I baptize with the water and the Spirit. There's some debate about what Jesus meant by water and the Spirit, whether he meant you've got to be born physically and spiritually. 
probably has more to do with a symbol of the water baptism and the regeneration that takes place. Not that baptism is required for salvation, but there must be a repentance of sin, a regeneration in everyone's life in order for us to be able to be saved by grace in Jesus and for the Holy Spirit to enter that person's life. Either way, the message is the same. You cannot enter the kingdom of God without the Holy Spirit. And every believer has the Holy Spirit. In fact, we're all, we've all been, if you know Jesus, you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's the third person of the Trinity. Every bit as real as God the Father and, the, and, and, and God the Son. He is the Spirit of Jesus living in you. Jesus said, whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. He tells Nicodemus. So, saying these things that you ought to be able to understand. If you plant apple seeds, you expect apples. You plant watermelon seeds, you plant watermelon seeds. Well, you've been born of human nature. All those of us who are sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, we're all born with a sinful nature. But once you become reborn in Jesus, then we are born of God. We are born of the family of God, and we have a godly nature. And the old nature and the new nature cannot live in harmony. You spiritually and literally cast out the old nature where self or Satan would be in charge. In fact, probably if you found out in your journey that you've got to do this many times, you've got to, you only do it with the help of the Lord Jesus and to not be led by the selfish nature, but to be led by uh, God's nature that is living with us. And the new spirit gives you a different perspective as we submit to him. Jesus describes the Holy Spirit and compares the Holy Spirit to the wind. So much so that the biblical word for spirit, the New Testament word for spirit and wind are exactly the same. So when you're reading in scripture and you say, well, how do they know whether it's spirit or wind? Well, you know, by context, by what's being said here. But listen to what Jesus said. You cannot see it, but you can hear it. You can see the effects and you can feel it. Did you get that? You cannot see it, but you can hear it. You can see the effects and you can feel it. You ever seen devastation from a tornado or something? You, ever, you, you know what the wind is. So you put your faith, though, in what is real, even though you can't see it. So when Jesus said you cannot see it, but you can hear it, you can see the effects, you can feel it. Was he talking about the wind or the spirit? Yes. Well, we need to learn to see the effects of the Spirit. Jesus said He is our comforter and counselor. He produces fruit in our lives. Fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The same Spirit that knocks on the heart's door of one who is lost, it is the same Spirit that works to transform our lives and to reveal God's holy power in each one of us. So has the, has the Holy Spirit ever let you down? He's never let me down. I've let the Holy Spirit down. In other words, the Bible talks about quenching the Spirit, not following the Spirit, not being submissive, probably many times. But you can't always tell that we're expecting the Holy Spirit to be at work. Sometimes, what we say we believe, particularly about Jesus, and where we say we place our faith, does not always coincide in how we act or how we react or about our attitude. You think anybody ever notices much of the time, we do not show we really expect God to do anything. We have a hard time stepping out on faith. We have a hard time thinking God's size sometimes in our faith. Closely akin to being born again, I guess, would be uh, what we say about someone when someone is pregnant. What do we say about them? We say, oh, they're expecting. 
We don't usually ask what they're expecting. I mean, we might say boy or girl, but we know what they're, they're expecting, a baby. And then that person gets to be about eight or nine months. Boy, hey, they about ready to pop. I mean, family, friends are on baby alert to the time you're expecting you about what's going to take place. Folks, I want us to become pregnant in the spirit. We're expecting and we are so far along we cannot hide it. God can move and work any minute and indeed he does. You following the Holy Spirit will lead to expectation. You following the Holy Spirit will lead to expectation. Why? Because we're born not just of water, whether it be the water baptism or not just physically, but also of the Spirit. And the Spirit produces spiritual stuff in us. Nick asked one last question in verse 9. He says, how can this be? He's already asked the, he's already asked the what question. Well, what you got in it for me? The why question. Why why me? And now he says, how can this be? Maybe how can it be true or how can it be for him? Well, listen, a new beginning brings a new spirit with a new direction. A new beginning brings a new spirit with a new direction. One of our problems is that we often look in the wrong direction, often looking to ourselves or to what the world has for answers or something else. And we're not thinking, again, we're not thinking God's size. Jesus gave Nick three earthly symbols to help him understand what a new life of faith looked like. What illustrations? We already talked about these. What three illustrations, three earthly illustrations did Jesus give? Womb, the water, and the wind to describe about what Jesus had and what difference and what he needed to do in his life. Went right over the Pharisee's head. He didn't understand those things. And all of those who refused to believe. He said, if you cannot believe these earthly things that I've talked about, how could you understand the things of heaven? In order to understand what this Christian life is all about, to get the most of it, to keep growing and learning, we must have a new beginning, new direction. It's possible to understand some of the earthly symbols and to know about God and to know about Jesus, but not to know Jesus personally or to be a believer and not to be growing spiritually. Colossians chapter 3, 2, simple verse, set your minds on what is above, not on what is on earth. Or how can we do that? What must be done in order for us to be able to have this new direction? Thankfully, Jesus has made that possible. Now, man, when I say man, I mean mankind's been trying to make their way to God forever. I mean, uh, go back to Genesis and the Tower of Babel when they wanted to make their way to God or make a name for themselves and make their way to heaven. And we know that that didn't work. So here we have Nicodemus, much like the Apostle Paul before he became a believer. He was trying to earn his way to God by following all the Old Testament laws, by following all of the, uh, uh, all of the Jewish laws, but it could not be done. So God made his way down to us through Jesus and the cross and the resurrection. He makes the connection possible. Twice in this passage, Jesus refers to new direction as the kingdom of God. He said, so that you might be able to have the kingdom of God, there must be change. There must be something different. As new citizens of a new kingdom, we now depend on the one who is the king of kings. In verse 14, I don't know if you noticed that, but Jesus gave a quick illustration there to Nicodemus that came from Numbers chapter 21. In Numbers chapter 21, we find the Israelites, they're wandering there in the wilderness and they're complaining to God again, which was a part of kind of what they did for 40 years. And they were saying there wasn't enough food and water. They were tired of eating all the manna. And they were complaining to God and turning away from God, wanting to go back to Egypt from where they had come. Well, the Lord sent snakes into the camp. 
And a lot of them got snake bit. Some of them began to die. And then they began to repent. You got, if I get snake bit, I'm going to repent a lot. Listen, but they, they began, so they, they asked Moses to pray on their behalf. And Moses prayed and asked God, Numbers chapter 21 and verse 8. Listen to what the Lord said. So the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. Other translations say snake. And everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. Now, here uh, we says to Nicodemus, you know, you know that snake story in the book of Numbers? And though I don't think Nick got it at the time, he said, so the Son of Man will be lifted up in the same way. The Son of Man was an Old Testament name for the Messiah. Jesus used it often. He was the one who be Jesus be placed on a cross-shaped tree. That was what was going to happen to the Messiah. Everyone who believes and places their faith in Christ, all who look at the cross and believe, have a new and eternal life. We're reading from John 3. Jesus gets placed on the cross in John 19. Nicodemus was there at the cross. You think he remembered the words of Jesus when he said the Son of Man must be lifted up? I kind of tend to think that he did. Do, do you see the progression? Everyone must be born again by grace through faith in Jesus. If you're born again, you'll have the Holy Spirit. If you follow the Holy Spirit, you'll continue to have new, fresh direction in life, being about kingdom work, working towards stuff that is made of heaven and not earth and for we know the earthly does not last. Now, it is possible to have the Holy Spirit because all of us who are believers in the family of God have the Holy Spirit and not be following the direction of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I would say it, it happens often. It, it's a tragedy of a believer who has the Spirit of Jesus living in them, but instead they're living by the flesh or they're living more for the world than they are for the Jesus. By the way, anybody excited about Auburn basketball being number one in the nation? Hey, we see some hands. You are awake. That's good. Yeah. Oh, I realize not everybody is. Let me say it like this. Anybody excited about Auburn basketball being number one in the nation? Would you be excited maybe then if your team beat Auburn? If you're not far Auburn, that might be exciting. Or maybe we could all come together and say, have you watched any of the Olympics on USA and been excited about that? I want you to notice, what verse, look, look at verse 6. What does the Spirit produce? Spirit. Boy, we could use a little bit more in the church, couldn't we? We could use a little bit more. So the Holy Spirit is at work in order to be able to produce Spirit in our life, to help us to be able to grow spiritually so that we might have more spiritual fruit in the fruits of the Spirit in our life. But we must submit to the Spirit or we will lose direction. No focus. No purpose, no peace. That's a triple tragedy for those who profess Christ as Lord and Savior. So something implicit is in these verses is a new warning for believers. A new warning even for believers. If, if you are a new believer and you've accepted Jesus, you've been born again, which means that the Holy Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit, you've been given new direction. Don't waste it is the warning. But also there's a warning for lost people which begins to be implicit and then becomes explicit. Everybody with me here? Implicit. Here's the implicit in case you're wondering what that means. Verse 15 says, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. We read that a moment ago. Last verse we read a moment ago. Everyone who believes will have eternal life. That's good news, isn't it? You put your faith, it's guaranteed. It's part of the new covenant. We, we had the Lord's Supper about the new covenant today. If you believe, you place your faith in him. By grace, you'll have eternal life. 
But they're, what's the opposite? No eternal life for those who do not, do not believe. Just in case the implicit was not obvious enough. We read through verse 15. Look at verse 18. John chapter 3 and verse 18 says this. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So if you don't know Christ today and you're wondering whether it is important or not, it is the most important decision that you could ever make if you do not know Christ. And so you've been warned today by the words of the Lord Jesus. But for believers, it's also a warning because it is the more spirit we have in our life, the more the Lord is at work in our life, the more we love have love for Jesus and the more we grow in our love for one another. So you want everyone to know and have the opportunity to accept Jesus. Speaking of new beginnings, we've had started a couple this month. February 1st we started and we encouraged you to be a part of our 100 days of Psalms and Proverbs. And uh, we have those on the website. I think there's some in the kiosk. If you want to pick them up, you go to our website. It's easy to remember in February because you're reading a psalm a day beginning with Psalm 1. So if this is February 6th, we're reading Psalm 6. So if you forget, you just jump on. Now that's only good for 28 days because if we're going to get all 150 Psalms in and all the Proverbs, we've got to start doubling up. So you might want to get, if you want to be reading along with us, because we're going to be talking about these things in the pulpit and classrooms, hallways, and all of those, so that we might be able to give praise and to gain wisdom. What a good time to give praise that the Lord's been with us over these last couple of years. And what a time to gain wisdom so that we might be able to be ready to move forward. So we hope that what takes place here is not just checking the boxes. Boy, we're glad that we've read all those. But, but a movement, a spiritual movement takes place among God's people. As we stay in God's word and spend time in prayer. Because we're encouraging you to uh, confess sin, to proclaim praise and Commit yourself to the Lord Jesus every day and what He would have you to do. But also, so that's one new beginning. Today marks the new beginning of our Who's Your One emphasis. You've seen from our first service today that we have many who have placed. This is a day of congregation participation already. You've done that in worship. We've partaken the Lord's Supper at the end of this service. Uh, we want to encourage you, or even now. In fact, if you've got one of those, you either have one you came in or they are there in front of you, but you have these Who's Your One cards, and so now's a great time to pull that out. Part of congregation participation, would you hold this in your hand? And, uh, and then we, you want to, if you know someone or you want to pray about someone, it's okay, but we want to have everybody to have at least one person that they might write here on there, write on both sides, person that you know who is lost or who is unchurched. And then... As you do that, we want you to be, we, we're, we've done, did this last February, and maybe even the February before, so we're stepping it up just a little bit. And, um, because we're asking you to have, if everybody wants to pray for a lost person, so we're saying praying, inviting, and sharing. So we want you to pray for them, we want you to invite them to some place in which they will hear the gospel message. Hopefully here will be one of those places, but maybe somebody that doesn't live nearby or maybe when they're in town or something, they can come. We'll have some special events, particularly to where they'll hear the gospel message. And then the sharing that sometime in 22, that you have an opportunity to share the difference Jesus makes in your life. And so, uh, but just come on, imagine with me here for just a moment. All of Parkway Baptist Church, every member and friend of Parkway, as somebody they're praying for, somebody they're inviting, and somebody that they're sharing the gospel message. Oh, I, 
uh, almost uh, shudder is not a good word. I think that I, I all shook up just thinking about it. Because not only the difference I think it will make in some who need to know Christ, but the difference it makes in us in teaching us about a brand new love for people, which is also in your notes of how new things that we learn from people because we're always learning how to have more love for people and a brand new love for people. So I encourage you to think about at the end of the service, you're going to have opportunity to place these up here symbolically, literally. We're going to be praying for these, leave them up here for the month of February. And uh, so it may be that you want to even now place the name of somebody that you know is lost or unchurched. And then you may want to place these at the altar and you'll have opportunity to do that here in just a few moments. Do this for me. Whether you have a, if you got a pen, something to write on, but they've got notes, but there's a place in your notes you can write John 3.16. I think I've got it started there for you. Somewhere in the notes. John 3.16. And uh, in the ESV it says it like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse you've heard many times. Maybe you've heard somebody say it like this, you know, that you can put your own name in there sometimes. And you can understand that God so loved Jeff that he gave his only son that if Jeff believes in him, Jeff should not perish, but Jeff should have eternal life. Now, maybe there's somebody that already that you've thought about, family member, friend, coworker, classmate that you may have put on here, and you could put their name in there and recognize this promise of God that if they believe just to pick out a name for God so loved Bob that he gave his only son that Bob believes in him Bob should not perish but Bob will have eternal life and not a promise because you prayed they have to make the decision but if they do you know that by God's grace they'll also uh, they will be saved today you want to Fill in someone's name as well. You want to believe it to be true. How's this information new? Just maybe as a reminder. It, it was new to Nicodemus that we're reading here today because it's not just for Israel. Before Jesus came, most of the Israelites particularly thought the Messiah was only going to come. This love, this information, God only loved Israel. It's new to the world because it's not just earned. Uh, the world only knows earned what it is that I can do in order to make my own way, to make my way to God, to make my life the way I want it to be, those kinds of things. With every other religion in the world, it's about what you can do. Only with Christianity, only with Jesus is it about what he's done. And it's new to you today because it's not just for you. And you know that your love for God and your love for others continues to grow. And because we experience the love of God, because that love grows in us, it's new every day as we realize God loves everyone and love for others increases. Before today, did you know about the love of God through the Lord Jesus? Before you came in here today, did you know that Jesus Christ had died on the cross and rose again and that He loves you? Probably most of you say, yeah, you knew. Did somebody tell you that? How did you know? You heard it from a preacher. Somebody handed you a Bible. You read it. Somebody told you, your mama, your daddy, your friend, your brother, sister. Somebody told you. Well, we want to be in that same business of telling others as well. Speaking back to the story, was Nicodemus 
ever born again? He's not mentioned again in this chapter after verse 9, but there's some evidence in the Bible that he might have become a believer. In John 7, Nicodemus actually speaks up for Jesus before the Sanhedrin, though he does not publicly proclaim that Jesus was Messiah. And then Nicodemus shows up again after Jesus dies and he helps Joseph of Arimathea prepare Jesus' body for burial. Is this conclusive evidence that Nicodemus was born again Christian? Well, maybe not. I'm going to say inconclusive. I kind of like to think that when Jesus was raised up on the cross, he remembers what Jesus said when the Son of Man must be lifted up and that he put his faith in the Lord Jesus. So, if you've got notes, if you don't, you have no idea where I'm at. So you don't know when to close your Bibles. That's good. But uh, is there a question about you being born again? Is there a question about you being born again? In your mind and heart, do you know that you have Jesus today in a home in heaven? If there's a question, come today and let there be no doubt. Come to Jesus. Call upon Him today. Talk with one of us. But I'm also asking, just like we asked about Nicodemus, how conclusive is the evidence that Jesus has changed your life? Would the world have little or no doubt that you are a Jesus follower? Or does today need to be a day of new beginning? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come and be in your house to worship today. We thank you, Father, for how you continue to be at work. And you move us into new directions and uh, higher walk with you. We pray that that's happening today for everyone who's come into this place today because of what your word has to say to us, because of the worship that's taken place and because you've been here. We pray, Father, that even now we may be laying people on our heart who are lost or unchurched or a person whom we may be particularly praying for in 2022 and seeking to invite and seeking to share. And we thank you, Father, that we know that you'll give us those opportunities. We pray, Father... If there's someone here who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that today might be the day of salvation. Father, may it not be put off. May today be the day for someone who doesn't know you. We lift up these prayers in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.